I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. Dipped in soup. Ooh, call me soup duck. Soup duck. Quack quack. Quack. I'm a soup duck. Quack quack. Well, everybody, uh, welcome to the numero dos episode of the Bearded Dicks. What does that mean? Number two. Number two. Yeah, like a poopy. Like a BN. Like a big old. Anyway. The second episode of the Bearded Dicks musical Fun Time. Mm. I can't believe I still remember the name of it. Uh, my name is Ben the Beardo, and sitting across from me with Dick. his genitals out. Dick Fetty. The fettiest of dicks. Mm. What is it? What, 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 what did we come up with? Disco Dick Fetty or? Dick So Fetty. Dick So, Dick so Fetty. Yeah. Dick So Fetty. Yep, and we're back with uh, another uh, glorious, glorified masturbation session, I suppose. Here to tell you about music and, and other things. Stuff to get, stuff not to get. I don't even know what you're going to do tonight, so I'm excited. R really? Don't? I'm going to talk about anal sex, and it's fun to do. Yeah. It's fun to have done to you. Best it's fun buy. to watch. Best it's fun buy. to talk about. That's a best buy. Yeah. But first, before we get into all that pounding, <laughs> we're tired here. We're t we're but we're we're bringing a game, a plus. Yeah, a plus because uh, Flex Lexa was not on our previous episode, and we've been having to carry a lot of weight, and I've got a bad back. Yeah. Surprise! The last <laughs> episode didn't get really nasty, but we yeah. got through it. Yeah. So, yeah, the disco box. Should we crack it open? Let's crack that bitch open. Because I lack originality, or more so because I'm just deeply into the thing I'm into right now, which is drum and bass, this week's episode is going to feature more drum and bass. Do you think that when we're super famous for being podcasters, and people can go back to our episodes and be like, Oh, was that episode during Dick Fetty's drum and bass? First drum and bass saga, or was it for during his second noise saga, or his his uh, disco era? You think, you think people would be able to do that? I hope so. Because that'd be hilarious. That'd be cool. So yeah, so drum and bass. Let me tell you that basically all the records I recommended last week, I've been listening to them this week. And all the records I listened to two weeks ago, four weeks ago, or whatever it's been... I've been listening to those same records. Um, tech Hitch, a little less, but basically everything right now is centered around the UVB 76 label. And it was interesting because I found out the other day when I tried to Google it, I thought it was a unique special name that would just bring up the drum and bass level, label rather. It, it did not. UVB 76 is in fact 
a shortwave radio station that broadcasts on the frequency 4625 kilohertz. <laughs> it broadcasts a short, monotonous buzz tone, repeating at a rate of approximately 25 tones per minute, 24 hours a day. It's also known as the buzzer. And it is one of the many radio stations around the world that send out a signal for an unknown purpose to an unknown audience. And there was this thing called the Conet Project that was shortwave and I think longwave radio broadcasts that were recorded by different listeners from around the world and then submitted and they made, I think it was a three or four CD set. And they're famous because especially during the Cold War when many of these stations were broadcasting, they were like, are they number stations as far as, do they, are they sending codes from Russia to the States to agents here or vice versa and all this other crazy shit. And so basically they were like signals of somewhat unknown origin for an unknown purpose, steeped in mystery and conspiracy. And it's a super fucking cool name for a label that is filled with basically EPs and artwork and artists that are all working in a sort of with a mysterious image and, and, and I just have this image in my head of people trying to decipher this and be like, what does it mean? And it's really just radio nerd code. And it's like, are you up down for anal play? Yeah. Show me your tits. Send nudes. Send nudes. Send nudes. Beep, beep, beep. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably one of those things. I think that often the conspiratorial explanations we crave for stuff are not that. They're not grandiose. It's always like some stupid bullshit. Somebody left a fucking vibrator on a table and the radio was on, so it just sends out this buzzing sound that everybody's like, I think it's from aliens. And it's like (laughs) some dude's butt plug going ham on a fucking metal table. But yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because last week I recommended Smoke Signals and All of Them Witches by Overlook, both on UVB 76, and this week my first recommendation is Outer Heaven The Pathos EP uh, which is another newer release on the same label, and I thought, for a label I'm really enjoying so much, I should kind of know a little bit more, and there you go. So, I studied those those listening stations and, and signal stations back when I was in college as part of a strategic communications and intelligence class, but what I already said is what I pretty much remember. The rest of brain cells have been burned out so anyway long story long outer heavens ep super cool first of all outer heaven reference to metal gear solid i presume i can't imagine it's anything else i hope so yeah i can't imagine it's anything else i'm not even the biggest metal gear fan but i know what outer heaven was as soon as i saw it i was like oh that's cool and the artwork is it's all done by the same guy on uvb 76 who does these sort of sketchy like weird not really demonic, but like weird figures, and and some of them are in cloaks. Some of them are like creatures. Very cool. Some of them have horns. Yeah, this guy. This Skull-like horns. designs. It's pretty neat, and the EP is basically it combines the best of the '97 to '99 era tech step stuff with a little bit of a modern twist, and again, this sort of smoky black aesthetic of the label to create a really nice EP that uses, you know, classic sounds with modern production to create something that's, while not the most original in the whole world, super fucking effective and really good. And I've been trying to follow the label since the Smoke Signals album came out, but it's hard because they're based in Britain and it's so fucking expensive to buy a single record that I'm always like, oh, wait till another one comes out. And by the time they do, they're sold out from the label and I have to try to go find it somewhere else. 
So when this one came out, I heard the samples. I was like, this seems sick. And then it sold out before I could get a copy. And I was like, fuck. I just picked up a copy the other day of it finally. And it's a fucking banger. The The two specific releases it reminds me of is Ed Rush did a an EP that's from 96 or 7 called Skylab on Metalheads. That's like really good tech step. It, it very much reminds me of that. And it also reminds me of the 1998 release by Source Direct, which we listened to earlier tonight. Two Masks um, is the A-side. Domina is the, the second. And it's just like... Outer Heaven kicks up the energy substantially, but the bases are... They're they're not really ravey. They're, they're definitely more on the sort of like... Techno. Like they're... They're more for atmosphere and less for like right. you know energy, but the 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 drum programming is pretty energetic. The sound is like very like sci-fi, but the drums are much more interesting than like a lot of the uh, production styles from the, the late '90s. So I've really been enjoying this one. I mean, this label is becoming like my favorite thing right now, and they don't have a ton of releases. I have like half of the stuff on the label. I'm trying to get the older stuff, but the the first couple 12 inches are all like 50 bucks and up, which is just for something that's two years old, too much. A money. bit much. Yeah. yeah. Too much, but really digging it. And this guy is definitely an artist to watch. I want to, I'm hoping that I'll be a little bit quicker when he puts out his next DP and considering the crew he's running with now, like I, I would only expect good things moving forward. So if you like source strike, if you checked out any of those recommendations from last week, then this will be right up your alley. If you enjoyed that stuff. So, Definitely big ups on Pathos by Outer Heaven. The next one is a brand new EP. Well, did you have anything to add to that? I mean, it's it's we've listened to it and it's it's very good video game music. And I, I I'm going to assume a lot of our listeners play video games, or at least some of them do. Yeah. And it's it's a very good thing to have on. It's it's both good for full attention listening but it's also good for like background music that you can just keep flow to and you know use to fill space in a good way yeah it's definitely the kind of shit i mean drum and bass is high energy generally i mean by by its hard definition as far as tempo goes like it's a higher energy high bpm music so it's great for driving games it's great for fighting games it's great for shooters or even like the new spider-man it's the kind of shit that like keeps things moving you know and and these artists are, they they have a slightly more delicate production style, most of them, and a little bit more on the techie and a little le- less on the brutish, so they're really nice, like they're, you know, it's the kind of shit that can meld well into a background, and, and like you said, B is good for home listening. So the next one is another drum and bass EP, although it's really not strictly drum and bass, it's an interesting mix of flavors. It's brand new. This just came out a couple weeks ago. It's called Themes and Variation, and it's on Osiris Music, which is Cryptic Minds' label in the UK. Uh, he he does an interesting mix of stuff. It's a lot of his own releases on the label, but it's it. There's broken beat techno. There's straight up techno. There's drum and bass. There's dubstep. There's bass music. It's basically just different variations on popular electronic genres, all with a sort of darker edge to it. But he put out an EP by Pessimist last year, maybe it was two years ago. Uh, earlier this year, there was an EP by Overlook that's really exceptional on the label. His um, Cryptic Minds records under Monic as one of his, his newer monikers that he does stuff on the label. He's got some good releases. The last one I think he did was 
Uh, Regret was never so sure, which had a really nice remix by Regis. Although, as a, a voracious Regis listener, I was a little disappointed that many of the sounds in the song were sounds he's been using a lot lately, so it was a lot less interesting than I had hoped. Still a good remix, but was kind of Regis by the numbers right now. Um, anyways, this new EP, it's called Themes and Variations. First track is Overlook, and it is straight up like a drum and bass track, no question. It has the uh, Amen or Amen break that I've discussed a lot in the past, which was cool. Like, he doesn't normally use that at all. It's used pretty, pretty, well, it's super effective and, and, and pretty heavily throughout the track, cut up in different places. Really high energy. We were listening to we were playing Spider-Man the yeah. other day. It's fucking nice. It's like, whoa. And it's long, too. It's It's got, like, ratcheting up tension throughout the track. There's these nice, like, sort of vocal samples in the background that like kick things up it's it's suspenseful sounding good shit um and then the the next track is a new song by pessimist who is just increasingly veering so far away from even minimal drum and bass or anything else i mean his music has taken on the sort of tone and structure of early mid-period autoker basically it makes me think a lot of trey repite of the garbage ep of anvil um, Vapor and the Invain EPs, all of which were released from like 94 to 96 and it's basically like this electro track that's at 110 BPM or something, it's very slow, it's definitely not really drum and bass in any way, shape or form, it's hard to, to really call it anything, I, I don't even know what genre it's, it's, it's more like an IDM electro thing and it's just this huge synth line and bass and it's just this like wow wow like almost kind of like slow acid line and it just modulates throughout the song and drums come in and like they have this like nice shuffling thing but it's way more like Jesscom's puzzle or motor ep or again like trey repite uh u2 uh rotor stud those songs like very much in line with this Instead of like a building and a, and a getting higher and higher, like Overlook right before it, I describe it as like sort of a horizontal development where the pieces essentially remain the same almost throughout the entire song, but it base it, it's like it's like music to listen to when you're on a train rather than a rocket ship to outer space. Yeah, like, things are just mutating but staying the same in, in the same way that the scenery rushes by you, but it's also like fucking headphone music like deep bass like I'm like I wish I still took drugs because this is like kind of song that as soon as I heard it I was like that's triple C music right there that's what that is that's DXM that's me getting lost in the dark with headphones on yeah, music real nice um so yeah I mean it's one of the like it's so simple but it's just like pulls me in over and over again it's not nearly as complex or progressive as a as a Audiker song but if he keeps going the direction he is he's gonna be you know one of the best artists around, as far as I'm concerned. He's, he's tapping into a, a style that has been relegated to the past decades for too long. Like, it's just so fucking good. Uh, and then on the B side, it's good, but it just doesn't hit those same heights. Um, I, I've never been the biggest Cryptic Minds fan, and, like, his moniker, monic, moniker is good, and the song he presents here called Stampede is pretty cool, but it's just, like, compared to the two before it, it's lackluster like it doesn't develop enough it's got a sort of uh renegade hardware style like synth line that reminds me a lot of some usual suspects productions or um maybe even a little bit cause for concern type of a thing and it's good but it just doesn't do a lot the the last track on it is grebenstein 
with Monic that's way more like sort of not a techno tempo, but is this quote unquote industrial techno type shit that's like sort of a dark ambient aesthetics with a, a more consistent beat. Maybe it's broken beat techno. It's the tempos are all wrong. It's a slow track, but it's just like good dark electronics. It's way more interesting. Uh, I like that one a lot. I almost didn't. It's not that I don't want to recommend the CP because for the the A side alone, like totally worth the buy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's not as like solid gold as some stuff. Um, but the, the, you know, basically two amazing tracks, one track that's good, but just like pales in comparison. And then a, a nice finisher that's better than, you know, B1, but still not as good as A1 and 2. It's like how I fuck. You come in strong and then you leave real soft. Mm. And then my last disco box recommendation is going back a little bit, 12 years to be exact, Shackleton, um, so I talked a little bit about him last last week, and Shackleton is, is such an interesting artist and has evolved so drastically in the, you know, 15 years he's been active or so, if it's even been that long. But this is one of his earliest EPs on Skull Disco. This is like a quintessential Skull Disco sounding EP, and it is the Sound Boys Nuts Get Ground Up proper ep the first track is it's a good name yeah it's it's the most uh i would say as far as early shackleton it is the most anthemic track blood on my hands which has this incredible vocal sample that is basically like a, an interpretation of watching the twin towers fall and it's like when i see the towers fall it cannot be denied there is a what is it there is a there's a sympathy there is a oh fuck i forget the the lyrics of the sample there's a thing that can be cannot be denied it's like i'm standing on a mountaintop letting out a scream it is the language of the earth it is the language of a beast and the better version of it for my taste is ricardo villalobos did like a 20 minute remix of this song that is like it is it is the literal audio equivalent of a hardcore k-hole or dxm trip <laughs> it is just like Every aspect of it is geared towards, like, you're on drugs, sir. Um, but the original is just massive fucking early dubstep bass. I mean, we listened to it at, at your house, Ben, and it was, like, shaking the subwoofer and yeah. all of the, the... Everything where the speakers were was just shaking, and you have to, like, turn it down because unless you have a system with some serious bass power, it just shakes the shit out of everything. And, uh... I mean, it's just, like... It's a classic. It's a stone-cold fucking classic. And... On the B side, there's Hypno Angel, which is a way more normal sounding dubstep song. And then I forget the other track that's on there too, that's really good. That's again like classic, you know, super hyper programmed, but at the same time, like minimal and cavernous, pseudo ethnic Shackleton. It's just like so good. If, you know, if you're interested in the Scroll Disco sound and you haven't heard a lot, Pick up the double CD. It's super reasonably priced. It has all of the early Skull Disco stuff on it, uh, unedited, full tracks. And then there's a second compilation, which had all the later stuff where it started to get more into dub techno and some other areas, right. which honestly, like, those tracks are less sparse and are probably better songs. But the first double album is, like, super influential. The second one is very influential, too, but shows, like, the transition already. And then they said we're done with this. We we did everything we could do with the Skull Disco style. We're ending it. And they ended it on, like, the perfect note. Like, everything was... They didn't release a bad record. 
and then they quit the label. Like that's how you do it. But um, this this EP is like one of the early highlights from the label, and the great companion piece is to get the the record with Villa Lobos's remix. But honestly, it's better on the CD because it's the full twenty minutes uninterrupted, whereas the twelve inch version you have to flip sides, which kind of you know doesn't kill it, but it's not as good. Like twenty minutes and some drugs. Let yeah, good time. Yeah, you let me We know. don't condone doing drugs, but... Uh, no, oh, oh, I mean, I absolutely condone doing <laughs> drugs. I'm an alcoholic, so I can't do them anymore. It goes badly for me. But if you don't have a problem with drugs and alcohol, do some drugs. Yeah, listen, listen allow us to live vicariously yeah. through you since we can't get fucked up anymore. But if you want to understand where dubstep came from, like why it was such an incredible genre and so exciting early on, you know, uh, Koki and Mala and all the digital mystic stuff, like that shit's all wildly out of print and stupid expensive. Those anthems are important to listen to if you want to know the history, but they're not really my bag. Skull Disco is by far the most interesting of the early labels. It wasn't the earliest, but it was one of the forefront of the genre. And I remember when these 12 inches were first coming out and listening to the samples and thinking like, what is this shit? And then getting that double CD as soon as it came out and being like, oh, this shit. Oh, wow. And I'm still like learning and understanding and appreciating these songs like from this point forward. And like Blood on My Hands is a base fucking workout. Like if you want to break a new headphones, you want to break a new speakers, put that fucker on. Mm -hmm. Like it is legit as shit. Most cars are going to see their rear window rattling, side windows going to be rattling. Like it is some proper sub workout. And uh, that's it for the disco box. Sure. So, uh, my best buy of this week is a classic in comic book history done by the master Alan Moore and drawn by Dave Gibbons. It was a 12 issue run from 1986 to 1987, so September 1986 through October 1987. Uh, you didn't even say the name yet. The Watchmen. Yeah. If you know. if you haven't read The Watchmen and you read comic books, go read The Watchmen. So let well, me. It's not even The Watchmen. It's just Watchmen. Watchmen. Yeah. yeah. Let me let me preface my Best Buy with this, which is the older I get, the less I like newer superhero comics. I I just I can't read most modern superhero comics. They did some DC did some interesting stuff with. New 52, which they rebooted again, which was pretty good for a while, but I, I kind of lost interest. A lot of my favorite comics now, where I am as a person, and we talked about this on the previous episode about how much I love horror, but I love horror comics, but I, I like comics with ends now. I love, don't get me wrong, I love Batman, I love The Flash, I love The Avengers and Spider-Man, but I love comics that come to an end. Yeah, satisfying conclusion is a hard thing to write. Right, I mean, my favorite comic book ever is has an end. It's Lock and Key. It's by far my favorite comic. But Alan Moore takes something that seems so antiquated, and he did it in the '80s, which is super interesting. Superheroes and turns the whole thing on its head, and did it before a lot of other comics did it. He did it first. Yeah, Civil War tried to do it in Marvel. Frank Miller tried to do it with uh, Dark Knight Returns, which was very good. It was very good. It's one of my favorite Batman comics. But the way he does it in Watchmen and the realism he brings to it 
it's believable. You 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 can see these superheroes being real, and the only one that has these truly outlandish powers is Doctor Manhattan. So if you don't know anything about the comic book, let me. Can I stop you right oh, there? Oh, go ahead. So from my perspective, I have not read near the amount of comics you have, but of the comics I've read, to me, The Watchmen is the best written comic of all time. It's not to say that Alan Moore, you could make the argument that he's the best comic book writer ever, but even if you don't want to make that argument, like as far as a series, like on every level of giving you a satisfying beginning, middle, and an end, to writing well-rounded, interesting characters, to like just having an incredibly detailed, interesting world, like he does it, he nails it. And the art is a huge part of it, it ties it all together, but like, having just reread this a couple weeks ago, like sitting in one day, just like read the whole fucking thing. I was like, this is, this is a fucking masterpiece of writing. Like, it's just so fucking good. I mean, I feel that way. Anytime I read any of his stuff, V for Vendetta, I love, I don't know if you've ever read the comic in full. No, I watched the movie and hated it. So I feel like the comic is much better. Yeah. And they do it. Don't get me wrong, I like the movie for what it was when it came out. Not so much now. The older I get, the more cynical I get about comic book movies. Yeah. But the comic itself is good, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Watchmen. Yeah. The artwork that's done in it is probably from one of my favorite eras, which is like 80s style of comic book art, and it's a lot of color and a lot of shading lines, not necessarily just darkness. There are plenty of good comic book illustrators nowadays. We don't get this kind of artwork anymore, and it could be done more modernized. Once again, maybe it is done in superhero comics nowadays, but like I said, I don't really read too many superhero comics nowadays. But a lot of the stuff is like way more realistic and almost picturesque in it. This is pure comic book yeah yeah it's it's what's so cool about it is along with the story it's drawn in a way that's like oh this is a classic comic book not like 50s 60s but like you know 70s 80s classic but then it's like but it's showing you something in a way like it's like it's you're like it feels familiar and then suddenly it's so strange yeah and i think Nowadays, it does something has more. The artwork has more of an effect than maybe it even did when it came out in the eighties, because it's spawn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it it brings you back to that time period, and you're no longer there. Like I'm sure people, people loved it when it came out, but reading it now in 2018 and seeing that artwork and bringing, going back to that time period of when superheroes were in their silver age of comics and really booming and storylines were getting more dicey and changing and artwork was getting better and dismantling that dismantling that idea of the superhuman and the hero and flipping on its head is incredible and the way he tells the story is I mean Alan Moore is a master of writing and he's kind of a weird dickhead but I love the man. I really do. He's kind of an asshole, but I, I, I love him. I love the things he writes. I love the artists he picks. Uh, the way it's done, he'll have... He'll, he'll cut from scene to scene and character to character, and 
he there's excerpts from one of the characters' books that they're writing, and another character's book that's writing, and there are things from the Black Freighter stuck in oh there, which are God. so good. And I forgot how Lovecraftian it's written. Oh yeah. And so I started rewriting, it and I was like, "This is no wonder Frank's favorite part of this is the Black Freighter." Oh yeah. Well, so it's funny because the first time I read Watchmen was my brother-in-law recommended it to me. He had the original run first issues, gave them all to me to read. I was in high school. I started it on a Sunday night. I immediately was like, well, this is what I'm doing until I fall asleep. I didn't finish it, so I woke up the next day, played hooky, stayed home, and read the rest of it. I was like, this is the greatest, coolest thing I've ever read. And it like there was no one I could share it with when I was growing up, because none of my friends were interested. Some of them were interested in comic books, but like nobody was interested in that like level, high-level, lofty shit. Like There was shit I didn't understand... And a lot of it was, like, all the stuff I did understand was, like, oh, man, I feel smart and, like, informed. And the whole alternative history that the universe is built in because of Dr. Manhattan existing is, not only is it, like, super fucking cool, but it, like, it the longevity of it, because where we're at now as a world, like, it feels so much closer to the Watchmen world than it even probably did in the 80s. But also having, like, spent so much of my college... Um, t- time in college learning about the Cold War like that was just one of the main things I kept studying over and over and over again even though it didn't really relate to my major um, it, it is like a fascinating look into like the fucking true terror that people lived under of like the real threat of a nuclear apocalypse like all the time and, and all the themes that they weave into it like about human nature but also the time period but like a bunch of other shit it's all oh, it's so fucking good. Like it's so fucking good. Yeah, and, I could see you being Rorschach if you kept doing drugs and superheroes. Oh you. yeah, no, and I. It's funny because Rorschach is is my favorite character by far, and is so different than I am because he has this very like black and white look at the world where everything is gray to me. But we like wind up at the same conclusion of like everything is fucking garbage, you know. Like, and we have our own personal codes, and like, the the it's. It, I wasn't a big fan of the movie, but I love the fucking part because I finally get to hear it out loud when he's in the prison. It's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. And just like, oh, dude, like so fucking sick. He's such a bad motherfucker. Like just remorseless. Well, real quick to kind of give you an idea. If you don't know what the Watchmen is, is it's a a pseudo superhero comic based in a time in the 80s where su- being a superhero is outlawed but there were superheroes due to this thing called the Keen Act and cops going on strike because superheroes are doing their jobs and everything so it's it's post that and there's our, there's I guess just one superhero that's Rorschach who's acting against everything it starts out with a superhero the community's in retirement at this point right? Yeah. Uh, getting murdered and Rorschach this Almost Batman meets the question. If you read comic books, I don't know if you know who the question is. Okay. Uh, Only because I was so interested in Rorschach that I learned that. Meets something a little bit more gritty. Uh, He investigates it and thinks that people... I'm sorry, he's like a super Frank Miller type of a character. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the morality is quite different, but the way he plays out is very Frank Miller. So, he's investigating the murder and is convinced that people are out to kill masked heroes yeah even though they're a thing of the past and it's about societal change because of this character dr manhattan who's essentially a god i'm not going to go too much more into the plot 
you should read it. It deals with one of my favorite things, which is altered history. Yeah. Where it's like one of those, what if this happened? What if we won the Vietnam War? Like, how different would the world be? Um, I did start rewatching the quote-unquote ultimate cut, and you mentioned getting to see one of your favorite Rorschach lines in the movie, and I got to the part where he says one of my favorite lines where he's talking about Asmodeus, and he's like, could oh, be homosexual. Ozymandias? Yeah. He's like, could be homosexual, not sure, must investigate. Yeah. Which, to him, I know, is supposed to be so serious, and maybe even Alan Moore wrote it as serious, but tickles me so that Rorschach is, is putting part of his time aside where really all he wants to do is beat up criminals and solve crimes where must fa- find out if that guy's gay or not. Yeah, no, and I think it is, I think it's written in a way, at least I couldn't see as, as any other way because I've never had a problem with homosexuality, like as just being a kind of a joke, like based on his like stringent, like sort of pseudo-Christian morality type of a thing. Um, but yeah, no, I remember when I reread it, I was laughing about that, but you, you touched on it and I want to go back to it real quick. Part of like the movie was done with love and care. Like there's no question that they were trying to do their best with what was deemed unfilmable for a very long time because it wasn't like Watchmen wasn't popular or critically lauded. It was all of those things. Like it changed the face of fucking comic books, you know, and is like one of the most influential single run like series ever. Um, but the movie couldn't possibly do what they could do with the specific medium that they had. And it was also, again, like, as we've said many times, like, it was so important because it changed so many things and took so many things that were familiar and did something new with them that, like, to remove it from its medium, to to borrow from Brian McCullough, like, the medium is the message. And to not have it be a comic book is to lose part of what makes the Watchmen or Watchmen the Watchmen. Um, but the Black Freighter is like the thing I remembered the most about reading it in high school because I've only read it twice. I read it like a couple weeks ago and I read it when I was in high school and that has always stuck with me. The whole way that the, the tale is interwoven with the plot itself and its relevance to the plot and then its larger relevance to the plot in a way that you don't expect until like you, you find out and everything else. Like it's, it is an incredible horror story written amongst like an incredible comic and and you also talked about sort of every issue ends with some kind of little epilogue, little mini epilogue that's uh, normally like literature, either part of a book or part of an interview or part of a comic book or part of like an article from a, a book or magazine or newspaper within the world of Watchmen about what's happening in the world of Watchmen, right. either from a historical perspective or whatever. And those things are as good, if not better, than the rest of the fucking comic. Like... The fucking, the, the shit from um, the original Night Owls book and, and the interview, like, the interview with the original Silk Spectre is, mm-hmm. like, tragic and incredible and just, like, like, like it is a comic book and, and it, yeah, it's amazing. I I'll, I have one more thing I want to say. But I mean, I honestly think the movie did a pretty good job of capturing it. I'm interested to see what the HBO series is going to do. They're doing a series? Yes, they are. Huh. I think they've, they've already got all their stars. I think um, they may have started filming already. I don't know. Okay. Don't quote me on that. But after we're done this, look at the cast. The cast looks like it's going to be fucking amazing. Wow. The ultimate cut is about three hour, three and a half, three hours and 45 minutes long. Wow. Um, and when the DVD came out, it had a the Black Freighter, which is just the an, it's an animated thing. And... 
the ultimate cut tries to work that in there and it does it at the right spots and they even have the little the, you see the the black kids reading it next to the newsstand and everything but I feel like seeing it completely visually as in instead of just seeing parts of the comic and then having the the narration from the comic itself it kind of loses it it doesn't do it as well yeah as the comic does it and like you said it's 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 a comic book it works best as a comic book i personally think these are the areas where alan moore truly excels is when he's not writing strictly like a superhero comic yeah now don't get me wrong the killing joke is one of my favorite comic books of all time but stuff like from hell befriendetta and the watchman are really where he shines because he's not tapered down to this is the character you can only do so much with yeah, it. Yeah, he transcends. Right, he's creating everything, and the comic book does a very good job of truly setting up the world that they live in. Yeah. It, it's world building in a way that is pretty much perfect. Yeah, I think the movie does a pretty good job at that. Mind you, they do change the ending in the movie, and I'm not going to talk about the ending of the comic because I really do think if you like comic books, you should go out and experience this for yourself. This is quintessential comic book reading. Yeah. And if, even if you like Alan Moore and you haven't read this one, you're an idiot. This is... Well, I don't even know how that would be possible, but... Shit happens. Yeah. DC recently tried to do a crossover with their main storyline and The Watchmen with, like, Batman and oh, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I refuse to pick it up. I don't... Look, how could you change? Like, yeah. I don't... Yeah, leave it alone. I'm so angry I don't even have words about it. Yeah. Well, the, the last thing I want to end with, as far as The Watchmen goes, that I was... I sort of remembered visuals from the chapter, but not the the quality of it. And it, it's weird. It, like, still... It just tricks the court just thinking about it. But there is a chapter about Dr. Manhattan that deals with his history that's from his perspective. Yep. And I'm not, like, a person who is gets emotional or like feels things about stuff very much other than well like just a limited specific type of emotions I remember reading that in high school and like being moved to tears and I read it again recently and like for at least it's for me and I don't know maybe it just speaks like my language and whatever because it's a lot about like regret and loss and the sort of nature entropy of relationships and whatever but done in an incredibly well like just perfect for the character, perfectly done visually, like, the way it sets up then a later thing, like, reading that chapter where he's, you know, you know what I'm talking about, where he drops the photograph and all that, and it's just all like... All my reread that I've been doing, that is the part I just finished. Yeah, I just, like, holy shit, that, that is, like, a ton of fucking bricks with a house dropped on top of that, like, I, I just, like... It's perfectly done. Yeah, it, it, like, is really incredibly moving and tragic to me and just like I don't know like really fucks me up like yeah. I, I you know there's not much that does that so there's <laughs> there's one other thing that I, I wanted to talk to you about it and since we're talking about it, now on the podcast I want to bring it up I love and and it's not even remotely explained the crack pipe cigarettes that they have oh yeah throughout the whole comic yeah it's just they open it, they put some shit in it, and they light the they 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 don't even light the end. They they light the yeah, fucking the bottom, bottom, yeah, the bowl of it, which I was just like, 
Well, I know when I first was reading, I was like, oh, they're smoking crack. I was like, cool, like future meth. And then, and then I was like, oh, that's just the cigarettes. I was like, oh, wow. Maybe that's the safe cigarette of the future, because I know Dr. Manhattan's technology changes everything, but yeah. go out and read the comic. I don't, how much did you pay for it? It was 20 bucks. 20 bucks. And it's like 400 entire, pages? Yeah, an entire day of, of like 12 hours of reading. It's totally worth the buy. It, it, it it's just read it just read it go out and read it just like all our recommendations go out and do the thing we're telling you to do because it's worth it and we like it and we're usually right yeah I mean this isn't a controversial opinion like, yeah Watchmen rule you know it, there's no question there you don't have to I mean you just have to like good literature to to enjoy it and it's it's a story that's just so much more than anything you could ever expect not just from comic books, but from, like, anything. Like, it, it's it's masterclass storytelling. Especially in the world we're living in right now, and especially if you're at the point where you're getting tired of superheroes saturating everything you do, this is a good way to turn that whole idea of superhero movies and TV shows and everything on its head. Yeah, you're going to read it, and then you're going to be like, why don't they make this into a new movie? Oh, wait. So, yeah, check it out. Um... You know, we said in our last main episode, and we'll say it again here, if you have recommendations for us, stuff you either want us to listen to or, or, or movies to review or books or whatever, I, th- I think we're up for that. I mean, I'm pretty set as far as I consume in a very, like, an insane amount of music and just do that on my own. But if you guys, you know, are hearing about stuff that you you know something about send me some music recommendations or if you disagree with me tell me why i'm wrong and i'll tell you why you're wrong and yeah you know we're always happy to hear from you instagram facebook all that good stuff yeah let us know if you like these i don't want to call them mini shows but our little offshoot that we're doing uh and if you don't like it we don't really care we're gonna keep doing it because we're having fun doing it yeah so to hit us up on instagram at motel hell podcast at Facebook, at Motel Hell Podcast. You can email us at motelhellpodcast at gmail.com. Motelhellpodcast. Motelhellpodcast. And that is it for this week's The Bearded Dicks Musical Fun Time. That's it. Later, Thanks nerds. For joining us. Later, nerds.